<sighs> I've just woken up. Oh, right, OK. I've had a nap, a power nap. Except there's no such thing as a power nap for me because you just feel lousy, don't you? Yeah, but then halfway through you'll suddenly kick in and you'll suddenly get all lively. I hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to that moment. Oh, Lord. Let's <laughs> get on with it. All right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. <laughs> I've got a sore throat and I'm really tired. Um, like you. But I haven't had a power nap. Oh, no. This is going to be the highest energy welcome we've ever done. Welcome, everybody. Good. Episode... Is it really 106? I thought it was 105. Uh, I think 105 might have been Brian Draper, you know. Okay, well, there we go. Welcome to 106. (laughs) The 106th episode of uh, this podcast called Mid-Faith Crisis with me, Nick Page, and... The Gradually Reawakening Joe Davis. Yeah, the podcast that goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a weird old that. time, isn't it? Isn't, it is a weird isn't it? old time. It's a strange, these are strange times we're living you know, in, Nick. Yes. Floods, environmental catastrophe and, you know, coronavirus. And yeah, yeah. It's all going, gosh. it's all kicking off, isn't it, suddenly? Yeah, I was texting a friend of mine in Italy. You know, right. it's just yeah. really weird. It's in lockdown, all church services cancelled, all events wow. cancelled. You know, it's some, you yeah. know. I said to him, I said to him, stay strong and drink wine. Yeah. Uh, and he said, well, I come from the Veneto. We never stop drinking wine, basically. Exactly. So, you know. <laughs> That's, the, so I think they'll be all right. It's the only sensible way to combat. <laughs> yes, indeed. For your stomach's sake, you know, take some wine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, how are you? I'm well, you know. Apart uh, from tired. No, I'm okay. I'm okay, really. Uh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to a break. I genuinely mm. feel like I need a break. Uh, like you, I'm anxious the holiday we had booked will be cancelled. Mm, uh, yeah. But uh, even if it is, the idea of two weeks of not working is still a greatly appealing one, whatever happens at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. But I did go and see Military Wives last night, which is a great film. You should go and see it, and you'll just weep openly. You think? Uh, well, I did. I mean, aren't you yeah. at the stage in your life where you just go to cinema and see things and you just weep now, whereas like you're not tough anymore? <laughs> I have no yeah, resilience. Yeah, no, I got I got quite tearful in Avengers Endgame when I rewatched that the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you must have. That's done. quite moving. <laughs> But anyway. Yes, so there we go. And I saw Call of the Wild. Oh, in fact, Call of the Wild, yeah, didn't I have a birthday? I think I had a birthday as well while, while oh, you were, while damn, you were you swanning around. I'm so sorry I didn't send you a card. No, no. It's I'm okay. Awful. No, I looked. It's okay. I looked on the mat every day thinking perhaps today's <laughs> the day Nick's remembered. But no, it's what like, an awful friend matter. I am. Well, you know. uh, well <laughs> I'm seeing you this Saturday. Hooray! So we'll we'll make up for it. Yes, indeed. I'm looking forward okay. to it. Now, anyway, how are you? What's going on? Why I'm are you not so very tall, well. I've you? got a sore throat, and oh. I think I'm just a bit run down. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, a great week at Lee Abbey. Yes. Really good week. Now, you're going to talk about that a bit more next week. I think gonna... so, yeah. We're, I'll talk through what, what the whole week was about, paying attention to God and how that went it and just... what I was trying to do with that. Um, yeah, it was just a really, really good week. One of the best weeks yeah. I've ever had there. It was brilliant. Great. I knew it would be brilliant as soon as you mm. told me what you were talking about. And really interesting on uh, Hot on the Heels of the interview with Brian Draper yeah. as well. Yeah. So, so I mean, a, lot, a couple of podcast listeners as well saying hello to them. Hello hey. to the podcast listeners who were there. That was nice. It felt like a really refreshing time mm. um, just sort of being there, which was good. So it's a bit of a pain that I feel a bit lousy now. But Isn't I mean, it? It's just, it's just one of those things, you know, I'm, I, nothing that early night won't solve, I don't think. It's a busy yeah. old run, isn't it, through the winter? And that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? I mean, I'm loving the longer days now, lighter evenings, lighter mornings. You know, the, all that's good. But also my body tends to, uh, quite regularly, this time of year, just starting to go, oh, please stop. Yes. <laughs> please yes. stop. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 a it's a such a renewing place to be, Lee Abbey, anyway, in and of itself. That's good. Although, OK, we did sing a rather weird song. Did you? Well, uh, several really, but one, there was a song we sang, and this was on like the first night. Yeah. You know, and the, and I wrote down the lyrics. Oh, that, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, and it goes, it's one, a couple of lines of it go, you go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemy. Ah, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> And who's standing there singing this? Little old ladies. Yeah. I was thinking, really? I mean, metaphor is good, but, you know. It's just the mental image of God turning up with, I know you didn't ask me to do this, but I've bought the head of your enemy. Yeah. And you go, oh, do you know what? I didn't. You've anticipated my very wish. <laughs> yeah. That or, oh, I didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, dear, what a song. Anyway. I know. <laughs> anyway. But it was good, apart from, apart from slight good. weirdness like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much we could say, but let's not. Um, so I think what we're going to do then is feedback on the healing episode with Ruth Brown. A lot of love for Ruth Brown mm. out there. Mm. Um and then we'll save uh, feedback from Brian Japer to next week. And also we'll talk about what you were doing at Lee Abbey because it's yeah. so brilliant. And I also recorded an interview while I was there with Dave Hopwood about film. So we'll put that out. Oh. Um, we'll, yeah. Get you. I told you that. I, know, I told you that. I know, but it still surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <laughs> what, that I actually thought ahead in terms of content. Yes, yeah. it does, and I'm proud okay. of you, frankly. Thank you. I don't say much. this enough, but I am. <laughs> don't say it at all. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, yes, feedback. Let's let's just go with it, really. Shall we? Need to have a lie Shall down we just go? Yeah, you do. Okay, well, we'll try and get this over as quickly okay. as we can. Okay, so uh, firstly, thank you everyone who wrote in just to say nice things about Ruth, but stop it now, because frankly, I've had enough of it. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. So uh, uh, Tim says, Dear Joe and Nick, uh, please say a huge thank you to Ruth. I don't know how you persuaded her to be interviewed, but I'm so glad that you did and that she agreed. We've all prayed for healing for so many people and the ones who've been healed built our faith and those who die or remain ill cha- remain ill challenge us and make us doubt God. Our village community lost one of the most amazing women we've ever known to breast cancer and we prayed really, really hard for her healing. 
Looking back, it would have been so much better to have prayed for strength for her and her family. She was a redoubtable Scot who was gracious, kind, strong and full of faith. Thinking about it, she didn't really seek healing in the physical sense. I wish I'd listened to her more and perhaps I'd have heard that and prayed with her. Just like you, all I wanted to do was to beg and plead for her healing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't think, Tim, you should sort of beat yourself up no. for praying, praying the wrong thing. We pray what we most desire. Exactly. And Lord listens to the desires of our hearts and all this kind of stuff. So I think, uh, you know, I don't think you should feel guilty about that. No. Um, it's just, it just is what it is. And it, I really? think it's a very healthy and natural response to want yeah. the best for someone. So, yeah, agreed. No, but thanks, Tim. Appreciate you writing in. Right. So, shall I read the next one? Yes, please do. Because I don't feel I've got anything other to contribute this no. uh, this uh, episode, other than just narration. So no. let me let me. This is from David. Yeah. Uh, he says, "Dear Joe and Nick, I'm writing his episode 104. I had a fine interview with Ruth. By the way, her accent is lovely, and c- and she could become your fill-in presenter. Seriously? Yeah. You see, this is always the problem, isn't it? I know. It? Let, this is the danger. You let guests in, mm. and they mm. show you up for the amateurs that you <laughs> exactly. really are. Exactly. It's exactly what's happened. She was very thoughtful in talking about healing and her circumstances. Why are some healed in some way and many not? It's not been an issue I've been troubled by. Magic happens and... (coughs) ...happens. And yes, we are walking miracles in terms of everyday healing. Uh, And he recommends a book by Thomas J. Ord, Ord, double O-R-D, called God Can't, which I don't know anything about. But uh, Mm. anyway, thank you from David in Australia. Yes, I mean, I think, you know, everyday miracles, all that stuff. Yeah, Um, exactly. I agree with that. Yes, indeed, yeah. And one from Rachel who says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. And by the way, she loved the response to Sergeant from Sergeant Anonymous in the previous one. Oh, yeah, that was a good experience. Yeah, it was good, yeah. yeah. She says, at the interview with Ruth Brown, what a lovely lady, and she spoke so wisely about healing. I had cancer diagnosed at the same age my dad did, 37. He died when I was 16 and my brother was 12. My cancer was 14 years ago and I am still here and fine and brackets as far as I know. My church were lovely. I know they were praying for me to get better, and I did. But they also supported in many practical ways, including one lady who made the most amazing shortbread. I'm almost sorry I'm too well to warrant this now, she says. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. (laughs) She says, I do believe that God was instrumental in my recovery, but here's the thing. My fate was sealed at the point of diagnosis and timely intervention. I truly believe that a few more weeks would have made a big difference and I would probably not be here now. There was a miracle, but it consisted of a whole series of coincidences slash God incidences that ensured that, one, I found the lump when I did. I wasn't looking and didn't do this regularly. This is not sensible. Please encourage female listeners and their partners to be breast aware. Information available on the NHS website. And two... I went to my GP when I did, instead of my original plan, which was to leave it a couple of months to see what happened. This is also not sensible. If you should choose to read this out on air, please make it absolutely clear to your listeners that I was an absolute idiot. I'm sure that's not true, Rachel. Anyway, the thing is, no one was praying for me at this point, as no one, including me, realised I had a problem. I know of another mother whose child attended the same primary school as mine did at the time, who was diagnosed much later through no fault of hers and did not live to see her child into key stage two. Mm. As Ruth said, it does make you wonder why that worked out for me and not other people. 
I still struggle to come to terms with this at times. I definitely feel as though God was involved in the process, but I hesitate to shape it into a simple testimony type story, as the truth is far more complex. I'm not sure I will ever have the answers to any of this, but sometimes I think it is the questions which are the point. Thanks again for all you're doing with the podcast. Best wishes, Rachel. That's great, isn't it? Yes, I think, well, to go back to the previous email, really, yeah. um, bongos happen. Bongos as we do say. Happen. Yeah. The bongos happen, and and the Bible is actually pretty honest about the fact that yes. bongos happen. The whole book of Job is all about bongos happening all over the place. Job gets bongoed on all the time, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah, and 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 um and he's entitled to be a lot more bongoed off than he actually is, <laughs> I think. But he, but he, I sense a t-shirt happening. But uh, <laughs> he he, uh, I think the questions is again are honoured yeah. and validated in scripture as well, in the Bible as well. That there's lots of questions, there's lots of yeah. issues about why did you do this, why, why has this happened, and I don't think. As Rachel says, you know, sometimes I think it's the questions which are the point. The questions and the wrestling is really important. I don't think we place enough emphasis on that in our Christian faith. We want answers, we want victories, but actually, yeah. I think the depth is found in the wrestling, really. Yeah, and it's, and 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 I, I sensed in that email also that real tension between look, you don't want to be ungrateful to God for healing. You don't want to you don't want to say, oh, no, God wasn't involved in this. But you, mm, mm. you just got to somehow live with that paradox and be honest about the fact that, yeah, of course, God's involved in everything, in our healing, in our dying, in everything. But, you know, sometimes you've got to ask, well, why didn't others get healed? And why did I, And you know, sort of push into that tension a bit, I think. Mm, and that's mm. what I think we were doing in the podcast that time. Yeah, yeah. You going to read the one from Richard? Uh, yes, okay. Um, mm. This is from Richard, as you just announced. In Sorry. fact, so that was that's wasted a few seconds of people's lives. Um, uh, from Richard, it says, "Dear Joe, uh, dear Joe, as a long-time listener to Midfaith Crisis, I want to thank you, Nick. Blah blah blah. Um, please don't be put off by the number, e.g., one hundred and four, as you continue to provide enlightened understanding on so many issues." I know. Really, really. Carry on listening, Richard. Yeah. You'll soon be disabused of that. But he does say, e.g., healing with Ruth's input. There's the key yeah, thing. Exactly. Ruth's input. Yeah. Anyway, here's a, his story. My wife lost her son David to cancer when he was 33. This happened 15 years ago, and as David's stepfather, I've tried to support my wife Jackie ever, ever since with varying degrees of success. We've read many books in that time, but very recently Jackie found a book without any platitudes, which made a lot of sense. Uh, he's talking to you, Joe. Knowing yeah. that you're meeting with so many people yeah. who are suffering great loss, I wanted to pass on these details. And the book is, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Great meeting... title. Love that. Yeah. Mm. It's okay that you're not okay. Meeting grief and loss in a culture that doesn't understand but thinks of loss as being a problem that can be fixed. It's written by Megan Devine, who has experienced grief from both sides as a therapist and as a woman who witnessed the accidental drowning of her beloved partner. She debunks the idea of returning to a normal, happy life, but invites us to build a life alongside grief rather than overcoming it. She argues that quite often clinicians are not skilled in dealing with the realities of grief, often relying upon the five stages of grief, mm. um, yeah. as outlined in a book. Um, yeah, yeah. You know more about that than I do. But yeah, sure. for, many, for many grieving people, these stages do not fit as the emotions of the terminally ill were used to strategize grief. Yeah. And he says also that sadly applies to many clergy that my yeah. wife has come across. Yeah. In this time, attempting to grow in faith has been very helpful for me. 
Although anyone quoting the Bible at my wife receives a very angry response. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank bet. you, Richard. So yeah. let me ta- let me ask you about those. Do you know about the five stages? Yes, I mean, and you will know about them as well. So it's kind of anger, bargaining, denial, uh, depression, acceptance. You know, just right. you circle around those kind yes. of things. Um, yeah. And do yeah. they work as a thing, as a structure, I think, or is I it think too formulaic? It, well, any system is formulaic and no one fits a, a pattern mm. because everyone's individual. But I think what's helpful about that system is it, you do recognise that. So sometimes people are surprised by how angry they are, for example, right. around grief, or that they were doing that whole bargaining thing. You know, well, if if you do this and if you do this, then I'll do... You know, that, yes. that's, they're very... They're very common things. So I think it's helpful in terms of articulating. I don't think it works in a straight line. No. I don't think, And I don't think you suddenly arrive at acceptance. No, it's all OK. Um, so it's, you know, it's useful. But as with all, you know, things, you just have to adapt it a bit. Well, I like the line, the very thought-provoking line in, in that email about um, debunking the idea of returning to a normal, happy life. But... Yeah, inviting us to build a life alongside yeah. grief rather than overcoming it. What do you do? You, yeah, how does that strike you as a kind of concept? Of I, I sits in this field. Has it? I been? think that's absolutely right. I mean, we talked about this. Um, you know, some when we were talking about the podcast on death, and we had people writing in who'd lost children, or the rest of it. I mean, it's it, it, you know. It's not something you get over, like a cold or something like that. You know, mm. when you lose someone very, very important, um, you know, your life has changed. It doesn't just, it doesn't just, you know, it's just, oh, that was years ago. I'm fine now. No, but what happens is life expands with that in it. Yes. So yes, there's a there's a very healing part to processing the feelings and the loss, and that takes, you know, I think most the recognised wisdom is probably about seven years actually of a a, a significant other but you're not over grief in seven years time but what you've done hopefully is healthily processed uh, the emotions and the feelings and and learnt to live on with that loss so you're now moving forward from that stage with yeah okay this is in my life but actually it's not going to define me anymore perhaps yeah I think it's really important for us to remember that you know Mm. because uh, like at Lee Abbey last week, I met people who, and that as you would talk to them, they were saying, "Well, the last time I was down here, I was down mm. with my, with my wife or my husband mm. or whatever," and, and I could sense that that was, still very real for mm. them. You know, however many years it mm. was, that, that it was almost like that, mm. as that book says. You know, that 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 thing that grief was alongside them, that it was partnering mm. them. Yeah. still. Yeah. And it wasn't dominating them. It wasn't overpowering them. But it was. It was present. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good and yeah, helpful way for us no, to imagine great. it, that grief is still sitting in the room with people. That hasn't gone away. Yeah. Um, and it might be taking up less space. I think well, also you could expand that to think about other negative emotions as well. I often think about my own sort of struggles with anxiety or whatever. Yeah. I don't think that's gone away, but you learn to live alongside it, Yeah. actually. Well, Liz Gilbert has that really nice line. She says, you know... Uh, you can you can live with anxiety, but you don't want it driving the car. You want it in the back seat. Yes. And so, in yes. other words, you know, your anxiety is trying to tell you something, and that's yes. not a bad thing. Pay attention to it, but don't let it drive the car. 
just yes. you know, thank you. And the same presumably true with, with grief so. after a while. I mean, I there's going to be, so, yeah. it must be a period where all you can do. Exactly. I read a very um, good interview with um, Richard Coles in The Guardian. Oh, yeah. About the, the death of his partner, yeah. um, David. And and he said, he said, uh, you know, I know my life hasn't ended, but sometimes it feels as though it has. Yes. So, you know, you can have yeah. that rational approach, but still be dominated at points mm. by just the sheer overwhelming mm. yeah, emotion of, of course, it all. Yeah. And he talks about how, you know, he'd, he'd even found himself texting wow. um, yeah. his partner without, and then realising he's not there mm. yeah. to receive that. Oh, um, yeah. it, was, it was great. It was a great interview because yeah. I think he's a really top bloke and i think he's got a lot of depth and but it but it was also very poignant and, yeah. and honest yeah um yeah so that was good so um we had uh, one um other response i wouldn't call it a negative yeah. response because i don't think it is negative i think it's just, it's just no no a, no it was it's a, it's a challenging thing no it was it? great yeah no i mean and i have not by any means read all the emails we got and some of them were just you know thank you for interviewing right. ruth and all that sort of thing so it didn't seem Blah, blah, blah. But Glyn, who is, a, I might point out, is a beloved uh, <laughs> listener from the from the very first one onwards. Yes, yes, yes. So he says this. Dear Joe, hope this finds you well. I'm so glad at the end of episode 104 you invited us to disagree completely with what was discussed. And he says, invitation accepted. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Twice whilst listening to 104, I got so annoyed that I actually yanked my earphones out because I couldn't stand to listen anymore. I honestly <laughs> could feel any sense of hope simply draining away. And I really wasn't hoping for some faith filled warrior explaining how God had miraculously healed them, blah, blah, blah. And so he said, I just wanted honesty. And yes, Ruth was honest, for which I thank her. Anyway, he says this. So I know two people at the moment suffering from this disease, both strong Christians. So I was very interested in hearing Ruth's brown's cancer story i am a simple person and i really did not get why anyone of faith would not ask the divine to heal them faith to me is about the possibility of something changing i don't have much faith but that's all right because jesus says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can move a mountain or something very big at least not that i've ever tried he says faith gives me hope that some small chink of light will appear to lighten or combat whatever darkness i'm facing not a lot of energy is involved. It's like asking someone to open a window into a dark, stuffy room that I'm trapped in to get fresh air and light and hope back into my life. This is God's business. Don't we know that's what he's like? He's a father like me who loves his kids. So when one of his kids falls over on the pavement and scrapes his knee, doesn't he just run to his mum or dad for comfort? That's natural. God wants to comfort us. So why shouldn't we ask him for stuff to make us better? I certainly don't understand why some get healed while others don't. But that is the difference between us and God, a father and a child. A child doesn't always understand the decisions of a parent and likewise we don't understand all this stuff works or doesn't. This all feels rather selfish to me, i.e. when a child turns away from his parent saying I don't need your help, isn't it the parent who is hurting now? Does God hurt? Of course he does. Does he have feelings? Yes he does. We are in a relationship with him. Yes, we can reach out to others, but we can surely also reach out to him. If we cannot reach out to him, that's a life without much hope, I'd say. Uh, brackets, no, please don't open that window. I prefer my dark, stuffy room just as it is. I'm really not trying to be unkind, just trying to look rationally at the supernatural, if that's possible. I know people who've been prayed for and lost the battle, as well as those who've been healed. So I know there's a possibility of healing, even though it goes against our culture to believe it. 
but in the church family I want to see some sense of the miraculous once in a while and can we please stop slagging off the church when someone is healed and they get wheeled onto the stage it's a testimony it builds faith it gives hope and it encourages others yes I know people watching may die of the same disease but can't we celebrate something good happening to someone we love is that so bad no one hides the light under a bowl but they put it on a stand where everyone can see it I want to know about this stuff and please don't think that I believe everything that is claimed as a healing. I don't. I've been there when we've prayed for people's legs to grow longer. All that garbage makes me squirm and shake my head. I don't think anyone is honoured when a healing is fake, for show or just wishful thinking. Certainly God isn't honoured and it feels dishonest. And Joe, while I'm moaning, I honestly don't know why instead of you saying words to the effect of there's a small number of cancer cases where the cancer just goes away... Why can't you ever seem to bring yourself to say there's a small number of cancer cases where the person has been healed? I'm afraid that really annoyed me. So thank you again for a great podcast. It's good to get annoyed and passionate once in a while because it's getting the blood pumping and makes me reflect on what I believe and why. Glyn. Thank you, Glyn. Excellent email. Uh, yeah, yeah, really good. Um, <laughs> yes. I'll give you a moment to, to, to uh, uh, compose yourself. Hmm. No, not that you're. Not that you're. I feel composed. Joe, a beautiful, a really good email back, by the way. I think it was really top, top notch. So, uh, which is why I don't do the emails. I let him do it. Um, <laughs> I would suggest that my one thing out there. I think there's a lot of good points in that. Really yeah, good points so for us I. to think, think about and wrestle with. I don't think anyone in the podcast was saying, "I don't need your help to God." No. I no. think. We, it was about well, what kind of help are you asking for? Yeah, really. So I, that would be the point that I would take most issue with in Absolutely. that in that email. Is I, yeah. I don't think anyone, I don't certainly don't think Ruth was, and I don't think Glenn was accusing Ruth of doing this no. either. But I didn't think anyone was saying to God, "We don't need your help." I think it is well, what we all need God's help all the time. Yeah, but it's how do you how do you yeah. feel you want God to help you really? Yeah, exactly. But also, I think what was really good about that email and I do genuinely thank Glyn for writing it is it 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 picks up something that sometimes happens in soul place you know when you're working out this stuff Mm. on the hoof it it touches your buttons and it it produces a reaction and often anger is the reaction how how can you say this or how dare you say this this is Mm. you know this is sacred stuff we're dealing with and if you do it clumsily as I often do or even sometimes jokingly, as we tend to do on the podcast, it can get underneath uh, some people's uh, skin. So, you, you know, I apologise for that. I, I, the thing that sort of, you know, if anything upset me about the email, it was the accusation of slagging off the church. And if I did that, I sincerely apologise. Because the last thing, I mean, you and I both sort of tried to make a point of this as we go along. We... We do sometimes have a jibe at the church and we have a little bit of fun and, you know, fancy wheeling out the one person who's healed and not the others. But the point is we do that, and perhaps you don't say this often enough, as people who love the church and fundamentally are committed to it. I'm still, notionally speaking, in church leadership, get invited occasionally to speak at churches. You're hanging on there in a more traditional church and we do this because we love it. And therefore I think that, that perhaps... You know, as people who love the church, that gives you the opportunity to, you know, joke at it. You know, I wouldn't make jokes about cancer victims, but, you know, Ruth is entitled to do that Mm. because she has cancer or had cancer. Mm. So, you know, that's the point here is that we're all in that boat anyway. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think 
I mean, I'd, somebody said to me the other day, you know, that I, I don't come across as being angry at the church, which I'm not angry at the church right. at all. I just, I just think the church is a bit daft sometimes, <laughs> you know, yeah. so I can't get angry about it because, I, just, yeah. I mean, I can get angry about the really crappy stuff the church does to people and, and some Christian mm. leaders do to people. Mm. And, you know, you'd be aware of all the Jean Vanier stuff yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I can get very angry about that. Yeah. But I think that's in a different league. I think mostly the church is 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 you know trying to do its best, Absolutely. basically. Most local church, and and sometimes we do things that are just a bit daft, as on the podcast we say things that are just a bit daft and things mm. like that. So it's all part of that conversation that we're having. But I think it's good. It's good to be aware of that and to, to think, make sure that you yeah. don't go down that route, really. So what but, about your view of the supernatural, which is, which yeah, is well, I think it, kind I, of picked I up, kind of which I picked up on as well in the podcast in terms of... You, you did, know, yeah. The, I, the, the, I felt you were over-rationalising I, I think, you know, Glyn is probably right to pick me up on, on, on my view, or at least how I articulated it. You know, I don't prefer my own dark, stuffy room, and I think I can be a bit overly rationalistic about it when I know that God is transrational, to use that word again. And, you know, Lord knows I need as much help as I possibly can from the divine all of the time. I find life quite a struggle. So I'm not saying God doesn't heal. And I'm really happy to say God heals. In fact, I think what I was trying to say was the complete opposite of that. I was trying to say, no, God is healing me all the time. You know, if and when I get coronavirus, as I assume... You know, there's a reasonable but chance. You're in I the will. Worthing hotspot. <laughs> I'm in the well. Worthing hotspot. You know, there's, you know, statistically speaking, there's a very good chance my body is gonna just incredibly do all this. My body has been doing nothing but healing itself for the last 55 years of my life, and I hope that will continue. There will come a point, perhaps when I'm in that more vulnerable group after 80s, where it just doesn't have the capacity to do that. So I know this is a bit unsatisfying, and it sounds to some like, oh, you don't believe in miracles anymore. And actually what I was trying to say is, no, I think the whole thing is miraculous. And, that, mm. and you know, Glenn reacted a bit to that. Um, I just think it's not that God's out there and I require healing from God over there to, to intervene. How can I ask God to intervene in my life when God, God is in it? God could never not be in it. You see, I still can't really articulate this very well. Um, yeah, I, I, the whole thing is is awesome, is wonderful, mm. is mystical, is incredible. It's just wonderful, the whole thing. So mm. that's how I see healing often working. I think when I was talking to you, did I don't know whether you edited it out of the podcast or not, but I think I was saying, no, I do leave a space for things that are beyond rational to happen to us as well. But equally, I'm very happy to stand back and look statistically at the whole thing and say, you know, some people, you know, because they don't get detected early enough, they're going to die mm. for it. And others, like Ruth was saying, you know, you know, do get detected early and they live. Um, and some people, it just goes away. Now, I'm happy to describe that as a healing. Uh, and I apologise if I, you know, came off as not saying that's healing. Some people get better. Well, yeah. That's just statistically true. Some people get better. Some people, the cancer just goes of its own without radiotherapy, without uh, chemotherapy. It goes. It was there and it goes. And I'm more than happy to say that's a miracle. 
but it's a tiny minority for whom that happens. And whilst I do see take his point that God is like a father, well, yeah, but not one I recognise at times. I mean, you know, I've got two kids. And if either one of them is in trouble and if they come to me and plead, Dad, help, I help them, both of them. I don't have a favourite. Um, I am going to help them both. So it is difficult to say, well, this, you know, 79-year-old person I'll have mercy on and this four-year-old I won't, you know. And I know God's ways are not my ways and I never understand that. And I certainly think that our incarnational life is only part of the story. We've all come from God. We all go back to God. All I get to see is the incarnation. So it seems brutally unfair that a four-year-old or younger should die. But I do have this conviction that we die into God. So, you know, what can you say? I mean, it sounds a bit crass to say death's a bit of an illusion. But, you know, if we're always in God, then, you know, perhaps death isn't as bad as we fear it is. Well, I, yeah, I said I too know. much. I'm sorry. It's, I did a no, sermon. It's okay. I apologise. It's, it's, it's fine. I I think I'm just a bit lost in it all, really. I think <laughs> I think I go back to the. You know, I want to be open to all of it, really. Yeah. And I think miracles happen and bongos happen, and and yeah. <laughs> you, sometimes you see <laughs> one. Sometimes you more times you see the other, and God yeah. is always there. Um, yeah. So I think that is one of the challenges of my life to sort of... I'm always going to try and rationalise it because that's what we do. But, you know, to to remain open to it. It's all about the language we use, isn't it, really? I think yeah. that often when we talk about these things with people, you feel like you're apart, but actually you're much closer together than you think. It's just that one person is using one set of language or one way of expressing it and the other person is yeah. using another way. But um, I think maybe we could finish this by reading one final email, which kind yeah. of sums... it. Yes. Sums it up really. Yeah. So shall I do that? Yeah, please do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, also, can I just say again, thanks, Glyn, for writing it because yes. it yes. makes the podcast more interesting when people are willing to say no. You know, this yes. is not yeah. right, or this. There's a much different way to think. It just makes it better. Thank you, Glyn. Well, this is from Ruth, and she says, "Dear Joan, Nick, I've been wanting your listeners practically from the beginning." Oh. Never mind, Ruth. I'm sorry. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I knew what a podcast was before I introduced. <laughs> I was introduced to the Mid-Faith Crisis by my son-in-law. Now I eagerly awake Saturday mornings to listen to you both as you lift my spirits. You never fail to make me laugh, but you also give me some thought-provoking pearls of wisdom. Yeah, we, we nick all yeah. those from someone uh, else. Ruth. From our listeners. Uh, yeah, from, mainly from people like Glyn. Um, yeah. I'm sending this email following week 104 on healing. Thank you for that inspiring interview with Ruth. I wish her well as she continues on her journey. Nearly 50 years ago, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I'm now 76. And over that time, I've had many interesting, in quotes, experiences of folk wanting to heal me. Life has been a bit tough sometimes, coping with the pain and the gradual loss of some independence, especially in these latter years. I live on my own and have come to rely on family and friends for help. I thank God for them and the abundant blessings that he bestows on me every day. I thank God too for the NHS and for all the wonderful care I've received over the years, especially all the operations to replace worn-out joints, which has enabled me to keep mobile. I've had an interest in the Ministry of Healing and Wholeness in the church for a long time, been to many study days, listened to many speakers, Mm. the majority wise and focusing on the broader picture of healing, but sometimes the wholeness doesn't get a mention. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There have been many times of healing that I've experienced. By that I mean that Jesus met me at that deepest point of need I was at at that particular time. That happened through other people, family, Christian friends, through the medical care, through music, nature, being by the sea, inspiring writers and speakers, and of course, prayer. I could go on. Having rheumatoid arthritis, I'm convinced, has enabled me to come alongside people in their pain, anxiety or loneliness. I think too that I'm a more considerate person, so I wouldn't want to change things. Some years ago, I attended a day conference organised by a worldwide women's prayer movement. A friend had invited me. During the course of the day, a lady came up to me. She'd obviously noted my restricted mobility and said that she felt that there was someone who I needed to forgive. Then presumably, if I did, I would be healed. I've sat through talks where the speakers mentioned that people with RA have often not been able to forgive. That's why they haven't been healed. And just recently, a well-meaning friend said to me, I wish you could be healed, Ruth. I know people mean well, but sometimes I want to scream. Brackets, am I allowed to say that? Of course you are. (laughs) I don't feel that I need to be healed. I feel whole. I could go on, but I've probably rambled on enough. I apologise if I have, not at all. I would like to finish with a quote from the wheelchair-using Reverend Zoe Hemming. She writes, It was profound for me to realise that the most powerful symbol of the disabled body in the Christian story is his. He came back from the dead as physically whole and perfect. He came back better than perfect. He wore his scars because they told his story. That's the Jesus I find in Christianity, not the one that wants to normalise everybody. Thank you again for what you're doing with Loving Christ, Ruth. Well, that's... That is fabulous. Brilliant. Yeah. And ain't that the truth? I I think it is. I think it is. I think you just have to be really sensitive about how we pray with and for people who are in illness... And I, I love that idea of both healing and wholeness. Yes. You know, and that perhaps we should talk about the wholeness yeah, a lot absolutely. more than mm. we do. And the one does not um, uh, deny the other, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much for writing that. Yeah, thank you very much, Ruth. We should uh, end now, I think. Because, yes, uh, we've gone on quite long it's enough. Been a long one. Lots of long emails, but yes, thank you very much. Yes, thank you for writing it. I, I didn't read it. We didn't read the short ones, that's why. Uh, so well done for sticking with it, everybody. But um, uh, but but the point here, and, and what really touches me week after week, is this is a little community here. So please do write into us. Let us know what you're thinking. We, mm. we, we'd love to connect with you. Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We, we really appreciate it. And hopefully we can be here for each other as we do face these, you know, life-changing events. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'll be seeing you on Saturday, I believe. He will, in Nottingham. Uh, well, actually, on Saturday, that'll be today, if you're listening yes. to the podcast. Exactly. I always get confused here. So <laughs> we're going to have a we'll report back from Nottingham, and um be nice to meet some listeners there. That'd be great. Um, thank you for listening, um, yep. and we'll be back next week. Yep. See you. Be kind. Mm-hmm.